This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, April 20th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And as we all know, that the financial disruptions caused by the COVID 19 pandemic spread, there are going to be knock on effects, there are going to be uh, issues that, that arise. Um, but also opportunities that arise. And that's what we are here to help you understand. Where are the opportunities? Where are the pitfalls? Because they're going to be a lot of both over the next couple of years. And, you know, for millions of people, this is the most severe economic catastrophe of their lifetimes. You know, in, in many ways, this is worse than 2008. Uh, and the big question is, what will be the final fallout uh, when this is all said and done? And when will it be safe to reopen the economy? And many governments, both on the federal and state level, have started to unfold some guidelines that will create a staged reopening of the economy, right? Where it's kind of like a, a light dimmer, right? Where you, you have it on a mode where... It's the romantic mode, right, where uh, lights are very low and dim. You can kind of see pretty well, well enough to where you know what's going on, but it's the lights aren't fully on yet, and it's going to be very staged in that way, uh, and that means certain areas of the economy will return faster than others, easier than others. Some have not been interrupted. Some have actually benefited from what's happening. Right, So it's your job, it's my job, it's our job at KPP Financial to find those areas that either haven't been affected too much, or maybe they benefit, or maybe the market has punished them worse than their longer-term business prospects really are. We're finding a lot of those opportunities as well. So we're here, and we're going to get together each and every weekday. And if you have finance and investing questions, I'm going to do my best to provide unbiased answers. Now, as an investor, you want strategies to help you deal with the volatility and find the right opportunities so you can reach your particular goal of financial freedom. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I hope you'll call me in this hour and through this Invest Talk radio program and podcast. I can help you become a better investor. Now, one way Steve Pease and I are able to do this is by implementing our philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We aren't like other investment advisors, not beholden to, you know, the the higher ups at a Morgan Stanley or something like that, right? We're independent thinkers, and we only recommend investment strategies that we implement for ourselves. Okay, this is not CNBC. I'm not Kramer. I'm not going to be banging bells and whistles. It's about straight talk, right? And the number one way we drive conversation on this show is through your calls. So I'm ready to answer your investing and finance questions. Our anytime line is open right now at 888-99-CHART. 
Now, during this COVID-19 stay-in-place situation, Steve and I are postponing our travel trips, but we did talk today about some future dates, probably starting in the month of like late June, I think is when we were going to do uh, our first one, or at least plan on it, tentatively. But until then, we can do no-cost portfolio review consultations via telephone, Skype, Jive meetings. There's a lot of ways that we can connect, either over the phone or in video form. So you can reach out to us in our KPP Financial Irvine, California offices at 800-557-5461. Or you can always head over to investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns a few things. One is... About 5.5% of active mortgages are requesting to go into what is called forbearance for up to a year. Pretty crazy. And what what is that knock-on effect going to be? This is one of those areas where there's going to be the, the next knock-on effect. And the, the question is, when does the effect turn into a panic, right? And we all know that there are going to be second order of magnitude issues that arise. And this is one of them. And where and when possibly could it turn into some sort of crisis, right? So we're going to touch on that. Also, are bond funds now broken as diversification tools, you know, with interest rates so low? We're going to touch on, you know, those bond funds that are out there and what might be a better alternative. Also, oil prices. Oil prices plunge to an all-time low, all-time low uh, today. And when I say low, negative $40 a barrel. So we're going to touch on what that uh, uh, obviously means. And then lastly, Nima Marcus is looking at bankruptcy options. This is the latest retailer looking at bankruptcy and what that might mean for the sector. So that's what we're going to touch on today. And let's quick a quick look at the markets. S&P was down a little less than 2%. Small caps down about 1%. The NASDAQ down a little over 1%. So a modest down day. And you know what I'm seeing is this is a market where you know, we, we've, we've had our bounce. It's been a very strong bounce. You know, one, some of the best rallies are in bear markets and you're starting to, to see that, you know, what are we 25, 30% off the lows? And that's not atypical, not atypical at all. Now we're up into resistance, but that doesn't mean that we can't stay up in resistance for a little while. I've seen pretty, a few extreme readings on average investors rushing in to short the market. And oftentimes that that means that they're a little early to the game or they're just straight wrong. Now, I don't think they're wrong, but they may be early to the game. And this may take a few more weeks, maybe a couple months to to roll over. And the question is, how much will it roll over? So, uh, you know, we're kind of in a holding pattern now to figure out what is that next knock-on effect and what are those stimulus uh, checks coming out of Congress going to be? Right, uh, I think I don't think they're done with trying to stimulate the economy. Let's go to Philia in Santa Clara, looking at Discover Financial Services. You looking to buy it, or do you own it? Um, hello, Justin. My dad has me looking at stocks and researching them. We have came across one called mm-hmm. DFS, Discover Financial Services, and I wanted to get your opinion on about buying it. It looks a lot cheaper than it used to be. PE is only four. Well, you're looking at Discover Financial. You're looking at what you're looking at are past earnings here. Uh, 
Uh, and this is a credit card company, one of the largest, uh, large, one of the bigger ones in the world, right? They are about $11 billion market cap, but they're a credit card issuer and they have about $20 billion in debt, $25 billion in debt. And normally that's a good when you're a credit card issuer because the more debt you have, they're like a bank, they means the more loans they have out there, the more interest they're earning. The problem is with Discover, they take some of the highest risks in the industry, meaning they lend to some of the worst borrowers in the industry. Not to say they don't have good borrowers, but in, in aggregate, their average borrower tends to be of lower credit quality. And in times like this, these are the ones that get hit the hardest. And you've seen that from JP Morgan's earnings uh, last week that they had huge loan loss reserves for credit cards. Now, some of that is them maybe sandbagging, right? And trying to overcompensate for a bad environment. But don't look at the PE on Discover or many, com many companies in the market right now if they're cyclical, right? Companies that are going to be hurt in this type of environment. And I cannot think of one that would get hurt more than something like a credit card issuer. So once again, you're, you want to look at companies that are non-cyclical or are benefiting from this environment and have a low amount of debt. And I can't think of a, a worse name in this environment than Discover. So I would absolutely pass on this. And you've kind of seen that from the recent bounce, right? The market has been gone up 20, 30%. And this has been chopping sideways. And what that means is that it, from a technical perspective, that is bearish consolidation, well below all major moving averages, before, below all major support lo levels. So I would absolutely stay away from Discover Financial Services. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And during these times, you might find you have some additional time. Maybe you aren't commuting. Maybe you just can't go to work. Maybe you're furloughed. I encourage you to explore our financial and investment information we have posted on our website, investtalk.com. And we've just posted a new April bonus show as well. So if you haven't caught that, I know our radio listeners can't get it on air, but you can get it on our podcast feed. It's called the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Steve and I roll through 29 questions at a very quick pace. It's about an hour. Your unbiased guidance is waiting for you anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart The COVID-19 pandemic has forced millions of people to stay home, which is getting in the way of everyone's normal exercise routine. Gyms are closed, people are stuck inside, and tightness and stiffness are afflicting us all. This is the perfect time to focus on your personal health and wellness. And I know you have heard me say this before, but recently I discovered this great product to reduce my pain and stiffness caused by sitting too long at my desk doing research and talking to clients. It has 13 all-natural ingredients and is sold in hundreds of doctor's offices, pharmacies, and gyms, and spas throughout the country. This muscle rub made by Quanta, a publicly traded applied science company, has patented technology proven to supercharge key ingredients and make them perform five times more effectively within the human body. It is optimized to drastically reduce both pain and inflammation naturally. I know this sounds too good to be true, but they have the white papers to prove it. I use their various health and wellness products every day and find a host of different benefits. Additionally, for a limited time, listeners of our program can receive promotional discount pricing at buyquanta.com. Use the promo code INVEST to save 20% on your first order. In fact, Quanta is so highly confident you'll be pleased with their products 
That's why they offer a money-back guarantee if you aren't satisfied with the results. Again, simply use the code INVEST to save 20% at buyquanta.com. B-U-Y-Q-U-A-N-T-A.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Monday. There has been some optimism about the COVID-19 crisis, and the markets have shown volatility. So, you'll have investment and finance questions, and Justin Klein is here, ready with answers. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Bill in Northern California. He wants to talk about oil. Hey, Justin, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm sure you're probably asking why oil traded for negative $40 a barrel. So here's, here's my question. Uh, I'm just trying to understand, and I'm totally new at this. So Chevron, for example, CVX, um, is trading today in the low 80s, but a couple of months ago it was down to 50. So I, I'm curious now if crude oil is as low as it, as it is today, how does that get reflected in uh, things like Chevron or other uh, oil stocks? Well, what you're probably talking about is, and what the headlines are all about, are the futures contracts that actually expire tomorrow. So these are valuing oil in the next 24 hours, right? And what happened, and this goes to one of my talking points, but is that a lot of these holders of these contracts were unprepared to deliver this oil. When you own futures contracts, if you don't close out the position, you have to deliver the oil. Okay, and a lot of these people don't have the ability to do that. So they had to actually sell it at a negative number. Okay? So these headlines are about about what's happening, you know, in the next 24 hours. But the June contract, the one that's expiring in uh, you know, a couple months, that one's about 21.50 a barrel. And if you're looking at oil companies in general, these are companies that are priced based on years and years of future cash flows of what oil is going to be in the long-term future. Okay. So you really need to under understand that, that it's, this is just kind of a, a technical thing, uh, in the headlines. Now they're, they're important and they matter in the grand scheme of the supply dynamic, dynamic supply demand dynamics of the industry. But when you're looking at Chevron, you also have to understand that these are large integrated oil producers and they produce other things like natural gas. They have refineries that refine their oil into gasoline at your think of Chevron gas stations, right? So these are very diverse, complex beasts and oil price or futures contracts are kind of simple contracts and they have very little to do with you know, the long-term value of these oil names, right? And so that's what you're looking at here is you really have to understand these businesses as diverse as they are and with long-term aspects as well. Thanks for the call, Bill. Yeah, this is a, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I knew someone would call me uh, about oil probably before I got to 
to this, but actually after the break, I'll, I'll get into it. I'll get a little deeper into this uh, because it is important to really understand what's happening here. And not only uh, for just the oil market, but what it pretends to the economy as a whole. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you are serious about achieving financial freedom, you have to be prepared for market volatility and be able to pick up the opportunities when they arise. Now, as an InvestTalk listener, I invite you to contact myself or Steve and set up an appointment for a one-on-one personalized portfolio review consultation. April is National Literacy Month. It was created to highlight the importance of financial literacy. The objective is to teach Americans how to establish and maintain healthy financial habits. And you are already on the right track by listening to InvestTalk. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions now. 888-99-CHART. Okay. Now, to follow up on Bill's call about oil, uh, you know, it's important to understand, you know, these headlines that, uh, what the, for what they are, you know, you're, you're basically reporting a technical factor that's happening in the markets. And, and while that is unprecedented, it's not like oil is worthless. Like I said, the June contract contract is worth 21 point 2150. Uh, and the whole, the whole futures, uh, landscape of oil is in what is called deep contango. Uh, what that means is that for months down the line, oil is actually priced, uh, in the $40 a barrel range. Right and uh, but near month are near month contracts reflect more about the supply demand dynamics today. Why? Because you're seeing that right now, where if you own the contract, you have to deliver it, and you have to have a place to uh, to store it. Right, um, and if you can't deliver it and store it, then uh, that's a big issue, and that's kind of what you're seeing is a lot of technical factors here. So it's not as dire as as the headlines uh, would would like you to think. And for oil companies, oil companies weren't down much today. I think XLE was down three percent today, which for oil in this market is oil companies in this market isn't the, the, you know a huge drop, right? So you have to understand that. But what it does tell you is that demand for oil is not likely to come back soon, and it is down dramatically. And it's really kind of speaking to what the rest of the equity markets are really not pricing in at the moment, right? Which is depression-like economic activity. Now that's going to change. They're gonna, we're gonna open up uh, the economy, right? There are certain components that need to happen and there's, there's actually four. So one is adequate surge capacity in hospitals. Two is public health instruction to support testing. Robust contract t- tracing to curtail hotspots. That's number three. And number four is widespread access to strategy testing determined are already immune to the virus. So if cities municipalities can provide those things, then they can open. And I think there are, in the month of May, there will be some that do reopen certain industries. Those that don't need to congregate a lot of people, those definitely will be reopened relatively soon. But what we know, especially the oil market's telling you that the supply dynamics are overwhelming on too much supply, not enough demand. Let's go to Lillian in San Jose. She wants to ask about investing. And buying um, stock in a company called Haya Logic, H-Y-A-L-O-G-I-C. 
It's a, um, they produce pharmaceutical grade hyaluronic acid. I use it for blood sugar control. I'm a type 1 diabetic. I take less insulin with it. Bladder, um, skin, joints. My dentist raved about my healthy gums. So I, um, every morning I come into the kitchen, put a little bit of water, put a dropper full of the hyaluronic acid, Synovial 7, and I swallow okay. it around, put it in my mouth, swish it around, yes. and I swallow it, and I have excellent blood sugar <laughs> control. I buy it by the case. Okay. And is this a public company? I, I don't know. I don't. I, I hope you can help me. I don't know how to buy stock, and I love the company. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't see it as a public company, so I don't know how much uh, I, I can really help you. Uh, I, okay. I mean, I know what hyaluronic acid is. Um, my, my girlfriend is a dermatologist, so she uses it uh, in a lot of her uh, products that she uses and injects, etc. But um, yeah, I, I can't help you with it unless you tell me uh, what the public, if it's owned by a public company, it may be. So yeah, uh, I, I come back, know. do a little research and let me know. <laughs> All right. Thank you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's go to Saeed in Oakland. How you doing, Saeed? Yeah. Oh, hello? Oh, hi. Yes. Hello. How you doing? Okay, I have a question. I'm doing well. Caesar. Thank you. Uh, Caesar Entertainment. Okay. So uh, it's like uh, now it's going up all the way to uh, 798. It's going up. I was expecting to go down. And uh, there's, there's a rumor that... Uh, um, that ERI, you know, in Eldorado, we're going to buy this company in, in June. So that's why mm -hmm. uh, the stock price is going up. Uh, what would you take on this company right now, Caesar uh, Entertainment? Well, I, I said this, uh, I think it was last week or the week before. I can't think of a worse industry right now than the casino industry. Uh, you have not only a bunch of people who are laid off that don't have disposable income to go to go travel and uh, gamble, but they're also very very dirty places to to uh, to be in. Uh, so that worries me a lot. Now there's the the trend of online gambling, and that uh, I'm not sure Caesar's exact place in that. I'm sure there's uh, that's happening more and more. But also, there's no sports going on, so people can't bet on sports, you know, electronically either. Now, obviously, there's online gambling and things like that with uh, poker and, and such. I'm not sure where Caesar lies in there, but the majority of their business, the vast majority of their business and revenue, comes from gambling and and, and owning and operating casinos. So I cannot think of an area that would be worse in this environment. And yes, it's bounced, um, and I'm not sure about the buyout rumor or what that. Uh, exactly means but um you know i i would not own it i think it's a a terrible place to be in this market remember low debt non-cyclical businesses and this is a high debt cyclical business i'm justin klein i'm ready to take your questions right now live at 888 chart numbers are elusive i bought this stock last year at about six dollars and 75 cents they're always changing i got them at three dollars and 99 cents and it took a major hit first up then down then up again or 
maybe sideways. What would be a good entry point? On Invest Talk, the focus is on numbers that affect our listeners and their portfolios. Carl in Ohio, he wants to talk about his 401k. Hi, Justin, uh, longtime listener of the show. I absolutely love it. Let's go to Dave in San Leandro. You've got to be prepared for volatility. I want to know what you think for someone like me. And they know it. I'm 31 years old. So the questions keep coming. Should I dollar cost average that? 24-7. How much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? From every part of America. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name's Josh, calling from Buffalo, New York. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein analyze the complex patterns in those numbers and do their very best to decipher the potential meanings. Thanks for everything you guys do. And here's one number that keeps rising. More than 21 million InvestTalk podcast downloads. And for that, Steve and Justin thank their loyal listeners. I find you guys to be pretty much entirely trustworthy. So I'm curious, how do you do that? Independent thinking, shared success. It's all about the numbers. InvestDoc.com. This is InvestDoc. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Ken in Stanford. He wants to talk about oil. Hello, yes. Uh, my question is basically how you're feeling about ETFs um, and the risks associated with trading them uh, in the oil market right now, like going the long, not short. Well, if... I, I do think that we are getting to the point where oil is going to bottom. Uh, this is a this event today just shows that more and more producers are going to need to shut in production, and that is a good thing for the medium and long term aspect of oil prices. That's what needs to happen in, for, in order for oil prices to bottom. Now, that's going to cause some of the smaller ones who have a lot of debt to go bankrupt, right? Because they are going to just have wells that are not operating, that are uneconomical with oil in the front month of June, uh, $20 a barrel, and showing the supply-demand dynamics are so weak that you could see that $20, by the time June hits, you might see that be even lower than that, right? And so um, you want to look at oil oil companies, and I think we're pretty close to, like I said, a medium to long-term uh, buy in, in oil, oil companies at least, not oil, oil, oil. Uh, but yes, I, I am. I do think that is it's coming up over the next couple of months. But I think you're going to still need to see some more panic and some more pain and some more shutdown of wells before that actually happens. Let's go to Christian in Santa Rosa, looking at USO. You looking to buy it or do you own it? I'm looking to buy it. I'm looking at it like maybe midterm. Um, I know that no, they no. Own 25% uh, this is okay. So this is CI contract. No, this so, is. Like, this is exactly what this is exactly w- the problem with uh, what's happening now is everyone's trying to pile into this USO. Like I said, 
June contract right now is twenty-one dollars a barrel. If the supply dynamic dy- demand dynamics don't change in the next month and a half, which they probably aren't going to change very much, you could have the exact same issue then, right? Now, if you go back to this is down from the high at the beginning of the year from twelve dollars to three dollars and seventy-five cents. Oil's not down that much. If you look at the June contract, it's down you know fifty-ish percent. This is down nine eighty percent. Okay. You, uh, if you want to buy oil, you want to get exposure to oil prices going up, buy a large integrated oil name or some oil name that has a decent balance sheet that can weather the storm in this environment. Don't use USO or any of these ETFs that are tracking the oil price because they're just buying futures. And in deep contango, that is suicide, absolute suicide. Go, there's plenty of big, huge, you know the names. Go buy those names. They are going to be much better investments. They're going to pay you a dividend. Okay? And just look at the relative strength. USO is at an all-time low now, whereas XLE was actually still 30% higher than the lows back in March. 40, 40% higher. So the relative strength there is, is, is great. So stop messing with these complex ETFs. Stick with big, good, sound companies, and especially in this environment, ones that pay you a nice dividend. Let's go to Jay in Fremont looking at CARR, which is Carrier Global Corporation. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm Jay, you there? Uh, for Carrier Global, it's a newly listed. I mean, it got split from... Raytheon, I wanted to know if it's a good price to buy right now. Thank you. Okay. Interesting. This did just split off in March. They design and distribute heating and ventilating and air conditioning, refrigerating, fire, and security systems. Well, this is a name that earned three dollars and sixteen cents in two thousand eighteen, only two forty four last year. I expect it only be a dollar forty this year. So earnings are down fifty percent over the past couple of years. It looks like revenues down even before the, this coronavirus crisis. The last year it's down two percent in revenue, twenty three percent earnings decline. Like I said. It's it's a cyclical name, and their business is cyclical. How many people are going to be replacing their air conditioning and buying new refrigeration systems and heating systems? Building is going to be down. Uh, certainly, you're going to have people that need to replace their AVAX, HVAC systems at some point, but you're always going to have that. Uh, but their discretionary spending on these type of things are going to be be down. Uh, so I would definitely pass on this. I think it's too cyclical. Uh, I don't have enough data yet because it's it's kind of a fresh company. All my systems haven't really updated with it. Um, but my main thing is it's a cyclical business. So I would definitely pass on Carrier Global in this in- environment. And especially see how it, how, it, how it performs on its own outside of its parent company. And uh, I would maybe keep it on your watch list. This probably is a good name late next year, early 2022, maybe when the, the recession's over, when the bear market's over. But uh, pass on it for now. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that nearly 3 million borrowers have been granted mortgage relief, but 2.9 have taken advantage of a program to give relief to holders of government-backed mortgages. It represents about 5.5 
percent of all active mortgages and this allows borrowers to delay their monthly payment for a year now this is delay it's not forgiving it it's called forbearance meaning they have to show that they have hardships but they don't it has to say that they have hardships because of the coronavirus they don't even have to prove it so i guess anybody can can really do this but what it does is all of this unpaid principal and interest is just added to the end of the loan and this is for all government sponsored enterprise loans fannie and freddie mac loans or fha va loans these are all these all qualify for that now the issue here is that even if they don't make payments the servicers of these mortgages still need to submit payments to pay to bondholders right so that accounts equates to about 2.3 billion dollars per month and another 1.1 billion dollars in funds will be lost each month by those with those held in portfolio held loans or privately secured mortgages so this is a knock-on effect and there's a lot in the industry that are asking congress to provide liquidity for these mortgage servicers because they're not going to be able to do it they're not going to be able to submit these level of payments without some help from the government they're going to go bankrupt and that's a big issue here and that's one of the potential knock-on effects where you have insolvency from these servicers and guess what that means no new mortgages because there's no one to service them and that's a big issue as well so i i imagine congress is going to come out with something but the big question is will it be under the gun of a crisis or will they be proactive and there was hope that in the last bill that there would be something uh, and there's hope in this next one but nothing as of yet now i'm justin klein you're listening to invest talk and obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis i encourage you to consider subscribing to the kpp premium newsletter written and distributed every single friday we are having some issues with the with the payment gateway on our site should be fixed by the end of the day but uh, if you want to sign up you can go over there tomorrow this gives you valuable information such as market analysis for the week portfolio management guidance stock ideas and some personal finance tips as well you can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com and now i'm ready to take your questions at 888 chart this is invest talk steve and justin have just recorded a new rapid fire hour at a faster pace you can hear answers to 29 caller questions. The podcast download is free. Go to investtalk.com, search April Bonus Show. And now the phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Michael in Santa Clara. He's looking at Zoetis. Yes, Justin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm looking to buy uh, somewhere in the 120 range. Um, I figure it's a decently run company, and uh, they're in the animal health sector. Um, I don't think animal ownership's going away anytime soon with the economy. So, just uh, wanted to see what you what you think. 
Yeah, I, I like what you're looking at here, uh, a non-cyclical business, anything that's uh, related to animals and the health of animals that typically tends to be fairly recession-proof, obviously not completely, but but fairly recession-proof. If you look at their, uh, their balance sheet, they're about a $60 billion market cap, only about $6 billion in debt, which in the grand scheme of things is pretty modest considering their revenue stream is about $6 billion per year. And it's been growing rather consistently. Growth has certainly slowed some. You know, a year or two ago, revenues were growing in the teens and earnings in the 40% range. Last couple quarters, revenues up 7% versus earnings up about in the 15% range on average. So certainly you're having a slower growth environment. Yields about 0.6%, so not a big dividend, but I like that it does pay a dividend, and, and likely if they continue with their profitability, they will uh, they will continue to, to increase that. And so uh, I like what you're looking at. It is still a little expensive for me. Uh, enterprise value EBITDA is 27. That's that's pretty high uh, f- for my taste. Uh, let me look at the chart real quick. It did it did fall all the way down to $90 a share from a high of uh, 146. Now we're at 127, and you know, I think this is a name that you will be able to find at lower prices. You can see that with this precipitous drop that it was it sold off well. Um, so I think if it gets about below $100 a share, I think that's when I would start to, to think about it again. But I like what you're looking at. Uh, definitely a good name to have in your watch list. Still a little expensive here at $127, uh, but I would be looking for an entry anywhere below $100 a share. Thanks for the call, Michael. 8899 chart, 8992 We have about uh, 10, 11 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it AP. Now, the big question are bond funds broken as diversifiers? And you know, we had the big market sell off. And what was interesting is that you, know, you're, you have your big bond funds, your AGG, iShares, US aggregate bond ETF, you have BND, which is the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index, and uh, the Schwab US Aggregate Bond Index. Those are the, index. Those are the three largest bond ETFs. And during the sell-off on March 12th, they traded at discounts of 6.2, 4.4, and 6.3% respectively. And that is odd. They should not close at that big of discounts. Now, they don't do that anymore. They've rebounded, and the, the market's function on the bond side has, has returned. So prices are starting to become more realistic. And that's also helped these ETFs. But what it shows you is that there, there are liquidity issues with bond funds in general, or bond, yeah, bond ETFs in general. Where bonds are not as liquid as stocks. You know, there's a few thousand, a couple thousand stocks, three three thousand, four thousand equity names. There are tens of thousand, thousands of bond QCIPs. You know, a company like GE can have dozens or hundreds of different uh, bonds that are out there with different maturities, and so their bond liquidity is not nearly as good as equities. And so when you have a demand for liquidity on an illiquid market in general, that where that's where issues arise. And this is starting to show that it's better to own individual bonds and not be forced to maybe sell one of these ETFs where their NAV could have big discounts to their 
to their price, right? And not only that, but typically you have that yin and yang of stock and bond prices where if stocks goes up, go up, bond prices stay flat or maybe go down and vice versa. Where you have a market sell-off, equity market sell-off, bonds rally. Well, with interest rates so low now, you know, the 10-year sitting at 0.62% to close the day, there's not much more room for these instruments to rally unless, obviously, the Fed goes to zero negative rates, which they've said they, they won't do that. But if you look back in history, it's, it's pretty interesting to see what role bonds should have in your portfolio, and a lot of it depends on your time horizon. Now, short-term bond funds have posted losses in 6% of rolling 12-month periods since the early 1970s. 6%. Now, the biggest drop was during the financial crisis of about 7% total. Those are short-term bond funds. So that includes all types of short-term instruments, including corporates. That's why you have those that loss of 7%. Now, if you go just go government, they've had... They've been in the red over a 12-month period, about 7.5%, a little bit more, but their biggest drawdown for these short-term government bonds was only 1.6%, and that was in 2004. Now, intermediate-term bond funds, you're going to get a higher yield, especially in this environment. They've posted losses in 19% of rolling one-year periods since the 1950s. And during the financial crisis, they were down about 9 to 10%. But high yield, they, that's an area that can go down dramatically. They're down, they post losses only 12% of rolling three-year periods, but they can have much, much deeper downturns. So it just shows you that bond funds are not risk-free. They are not uh, as good as they used to be as a diversifier. And if you're looking to add bonds to your portfolio, it's definitely better if you can, if you have enough money to buy individual bonds. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. After this break, I'll get to an email question. So get your calls in now at 888 chart. On the next Invest Talk, America's economic reopening will be fragile, partial, and slow, and it will occur in waves. But now Justin Klein is here. He's got unbiased answers, but you've got to call 888-99-CHART. Now, from time to time, Steve and I get email questions from InvestTalk listeners, and here's one I received yesterday, and the listener writes, I have a large cash reserve intended to pay off my house, $150,000. I was told by an advisor to put it into a cash flow banking instrument to get better return. What is cash flow banking? Now, what was interesting about this email is that I hadn't heard what cash flow banking uh, was until, until I looked it up, and basically, this is... A simply a marketing term. And it is a marketing term designed to sell whole life insurance. Okay. And basically it's saying let you be your own bank. That's the that's the the mantra or the uh, the tagline. And earn interest for yourself and then you can lend against it or borrow against it. Uh, basically I don't want to say it's a scam. It's just simply a very bad way to uh, to invest your money, uh, to get 
these better returns. They're they're very high commission, very high fee products. You 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 should never use life insurance as an investment. It's never a good investment. Very rarely. If you're gonna if you want life insurance, go buy term life. And if you want to get better returns, just invest it in the markets and be a good investor. Um, and and so I would run fast. I would never talk to this quote unquote advisor again. He's just a broker. He's not an advisor. And so don't talk to him again. And you're saying you intend to pay off your house. You have $150,000. Why don't you just pay off your house? I don't, I don't understand the, the the reason why you would want to uh, to do that. I would just pay off your house and, and be a little more conservative in this environment. Let's go to Sam in Chino Hills. He also wants to talk about oil prices. Popular topic today. Hi, Justin. Um, this is uh, Sam. I love your show. Um, I've noticed that oil went negative today, obviously with the limited storage. Um, I'm trying to see if how quickly does the price of oil and USO quickly get um, relation to. And the second question is, um, with oil being, you know, three to nine months out when people start driving again, how quickly do you see USO or the price of oil going back up? Well, USO, because of this deep contango uh, situation, I see USO just grinding lower uh, until you get to a better uh, supply dynamic, supply demand dynamic. I'm trouble saying that for for whatever reason. Um, I, I think USO is a terrible place to be right now. Absolutely, probably the worst place in the market to be because of that environment. Remember, they're investing, they're, they're buying the front month contract, this June contract right now. And as you get closer and closer, they're going to have to unwind it and roll it to the next one. And what that means is they're going to have to sell that front month contract and they're going to need buyers of it. And there's probably not going to be that many buyers of it. Right? Because of the demand dynamics in the market. So USO is not a good place to be. Like I said, if you want to invest in oil, you think it's a good time to be buying oil. Which may be right. I think we may be a month or two early, but you may be right. Buy the big names. They're all relatively cheap compared to their long-term averages or long-term earnings. Uh, if oil prices return to forty, fifty dollars a barrel, which I expect they they will at some point, because that's frankly the marginal cost of supply over the long term. You're not going to get these shale producers to produce at twenty dollars a barrel for very long. They just can't make any money, or they go. So, once again, buy companies if you're going to buy commodities. Find the best in breed. Find the ones that have long-term, strong operating history. Have good management. Have the best assets within the industry. Right, The lowest cost to produce. Have good balance sheets. Pay you a dividend. Don't sit there and speculate with these, these ETFs. I know it looks easy and it looks... No, you just buy... So I buy USO, I buy oil. Most of these names, most of these ETFs are more complex than you think. Don't just go based on the name of the ETF. This is USO is the United States Oil Fund. It's not that simple. You have to understand how they work, how they operate, what are the pros and the cons. And in this market, there are way too many cons for USO. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Thursday. C. Peasley will host the program tomorrow. 
Please remember that you and your friends can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.